0: Welcome to Talos Takes, the security podcast for everyone from the C-suite to the front lines. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the special National Cybersecurity Awareness Month episode of Talos Takes. I am joined by Ashir from the Talos Outreach team once again to chat today about threat hunting. Thanks, as always, Ashir, for your time. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back. So for this week's uh, theme, we're going to be talking about threat hunting. And we're going to be promoting this across all Cisco secure channels and in the newsletter and on the Cybersecurity Awareness Month website. So, this is kind of the theme of this week. And so, I wanted to take some time to talk to you about the basics of threat hunting. When I interviewed you for your researcher spotlight uh, that's up on the site, you mentioned that a lot of your job is like tracking down leads that don't end up going anywhere, Mm -hmm. uh, which I thought was interesting. And I wanted to talk to you about your research process and the steps you take before deciding if something is ready for kind of the the public spotlight. So for starters, what can you tell me about where you collect your intelligence from? What's usually your like starting point for saying, okay, this is something I want to look into.
1: So we have, we at Talos have uh, numerous sources for collecting uh, data, both from our product deployments and through open source intelligence sources as well. Our product telemetry gives us a variety of data, such as anomalous events on the endpoint. Uh, We get possible events for possible exploitation attempts and post-compromise activity. We get a lot of email telemetry for suspicious emails and so on and so forth. Like we've got a wide variety of data. And what we do is we take that ton of data and we distill it down via automation into a smaller set of events that we can then analyze manually or feed to other automation systems. That's one source, our own product telemetry, which we which we go through, which we forage through and we try to hunt for new and unknown, previously undiscovered threats. Now, threat hunting also involves reading and keeping a pulse on what's been published in the threat landscape these days, you know, from vendor blogs and reports to partners and uh, law enforcement agencies sending out alerts. And we use all of these alerts and all of these, all of this open source intelligence to collect TTPs and IOCs and threat actor information so that we can build detections and protections for these kinds of threats. And these detections allow us to identify and track malware behavior for our own customers. And that enables us to hunt for previously undiscovered attacks and newer variants of already known attacks. My starting points are usually to track down known malware families and malicious behavior in our data sets And I also look at anomalous events where something looks out of the ordinary on, say, an endpoint, uh, specifically, you know, something that's running that's not supposed to be running or some new activity that's actually being performed on the endpoint. And once I do find something remotely suspicious or malicious, I start my own process of pivoting and correlating events across our various data sets. To construct the entire attack, including the timelines, I chart out the infrastructure, I chart out the different types of implants that are being used. And so basically, I'm gathering uh, intelligence at this point in time. We don't know whether uh, the threat is worthy of being published yet or not, but this is how we start uh, our preliminary reconnaissance process uh, when it comes to a specific lead for a threat
0: again, when we we chatted for your researcher spotlight, one of the other things that you mentioned was that sometimes you can kind of just hit dead ends with things. So what are, what happens, you know, like what are some of the points that you hit where you're like, okay, I've kind of pulled all the strings that I can here, And then where do you like categorize that in your brain in terms of, do you just kind of put it aside for a little bit and then maybe you come back to it or, you know, what do you kind of classify as a dead end for something?
1: So usually there are two scenarios that we can call dead ends with respect to publications and disclosures. Firstly, we may come across an attack that we figure out at some point in time is already known to us, you know, either because we are already tracking it or because it's been disclosed by some other vendor or a partner. So it's it's actually nothing new. So it's not worth, you know, talking about or not, well, not worth talking about, but not worth publishing something about because, you know, the intelligence is all out there. A lot many times, we also come across dead-ends where we don't have enough information. Uh, For example, uh, a scenario where we can't reconstruct the attack, either because the infrastructure has been taken down or we're missing specific key artifacts, malicious artifacts in the infection chain. Now, this is kind of a soft dead-end for us, where even though the attack looks new and it looks cool, uh, we don't have enough intelligence on it to publish it. In that case, we usually add protections for whatever IOCs and TTPs we found, and then we continue to hunt for similar behavior, similar malware artifacts, and similar infrastructure until we get to a point where we have enough to reconstruct the infection and identify the threat, and in turn publish it if it's new. Sometimes it takes a week. Sometimes it takes a few months. You know, it's it's you have to be a little patient with it. But these are the two different kinds of dead ends that we come across. You know, sometimes we know, uh, we find that, oh, this has already been published and spoken about. And sometimes we just don't have enough information to talk about. it, And we don't want to publish something that we don't have the entire picture about.
0: So what are some other boxes that you try to check before going public with something on the blog? I'm just kind of curious, like, you know, what is the barrier to say, like, okay, I think I have everything I need now to go public with this?
1: Usually we try to reconstruct the entire infection chain if possible and illustrate the different IOCs and the different TTPs involved in the attack as comprehensively as possible. A comprehensive illustration of all these components of the attacks makes it much, much easier for defenders to defend against that specific attack that we're talking about. You know, they essentially know what to look for and block in their enterprise networks. And that's part of the reason why we publish our blogs and our reports, so that it enables defenders to defend their organizations and their networks. Uh, Sometimes we also try to provide attribution with as much accuracy as we can, especially for attacks that we suspect are being conducted by nation states. Now, attribution is hard, and it is more of an art than an exact science. Therefore, it's very important to convey confidence and doubt very effectively and clearly. And that is what we strive to do with our publications. You know, We have to tell people, and we have to tell our customers and partners, and we have to be honest with them that, hey, this is what we feel, and this is what we don't know. And we have to be very clear about that, especially when it comes to nation-state attacks. Also, during our publication process, it goes without saying that any entities that we find that are being affected by a specific threat, whether they're our partners or whether they're our customers, or even if they're not our customers, first and foremost, we have to inform them. We have to give them the right kind of protections that we put in place to block the threat that we're disclosing. That's a part of our responsible disclosure process as well.
0: So what would you say is the most challenging part of threat hunting? Because I would imagine it, it could be kind of easy to get discouraged, you know, if you kind of go on like a cold streak, so to speak. Whereas just kind of everything is a dead end. So how do you kind of keep yourself from getting discouraged or burnt out on trying to look at some of this stuff?
1: I'd say that at Talos we have we have a slightly different challenge, a slightly different problem. At Talos we track a wide variety and a huge number of attacks and malware families and threat actors. So the problem is not to find uh, threats in our data. The problem is to find new threats in a giant set of already known threats. So it's not about finding a needle in the haystack. It's about finding an undisclosed needle in uh, an already known stack of needles, if I may say, if if I'm not uh, (laughs) complicated. Yeah, because most of the time we end up finding something that we already know of. And that's where we're like, okay, so we got to... We already know about this, we gotta move on to the next one. And then this is just a game of patience and uh you know keeping your pulse on things, having faith, um, you know, because our leadership has faith in us to do our jobs and, and to deliver. And so we, we get the flexibility to work on it on different kinds of projects, you know, in, in the security space. And then we also keep at it. Like you just have to keep at it, honestly. Like patience and perseverance is the name of the game. So
0: Is there anything else I you know missed or you wanted to add just on the topic of threat hunting in general like the target for this episode i'm hoping is you know folks who maybe have never really done threat hunting before or are pretty new to it and are just kind of looking to flex their skills is there any other advice that you'd have for them or anything like that
1: at talos we hunt for threats with the primary purpose of generating intelligence and that intelligence that we generate is consumed to protect our customers via very dif- via different channels, you know, either by applying it to incident response engagements or, or by providing intelligence brief to our customers and partners, and even to the uh, greater InfoSec community and the entire world in the form of disclosures and blogs and conference presentations, etc. So the aim of threat hunting is to gather intelligence that then actually serves the purpose of benefiting everyone around us. And that's what threat, and, uh, threat hunting is all about.
0: All right, awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking to me about this this year and taking a couple of minutes uh, of your time. I think that this is going to be really helpful to a lot of people. Uh, so I greatly appreciate the insight. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me again.